Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Zarin. Hey, Elizabeth Dutton, what's up? Mary. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's up. It's good. How are you? I've uh, been, been well, been pretty well. I like to hear that. You know, yeah. it's ridiculous. Oh, yes, actually, I do. In 2015, in London, thieves, just normal thieves, they were out and they pounced on this person who was about to get in their car and they stole the car and it turned out that the car was an ambulance. And it was a very special <laughs> kind of ambulance. This was an emergency circumcision ambulance. Oh, yes. I no. need more information oh, on this. Oh, girl, do you? This emergency circumcision ambulance was also an Audi TT. And if you don't know sports cars, imagine a smooth-backed German yeah. sports car. That is it, the Audi TT. Now, what's going on with the emergency circumcision that you need a sports car to get That's there? That's my question. What kind of emergency How many emergency circumcisions are there? We got to get this baby cut. Stat. <laughs> Like, I got a middle-aged man and he needs a circumcision. It's a reversal. I, I don't understand this. Yeah. Well, also, while we're at it, uh, uh -huh. I found a photo. So uh -oh. this is what it looks like. Oh, the car, not that, the no, emergency no, circumcision. Yeah. I was like uh, one eye no. open. Oh, no. The emergency circumcision ambulance is a green and yellow Audi TT. That is Isn't loud. That loud and... Um, you're not going to miss it. No, not at all. I still... So did you ever find out? Did you look into what this emergency circumcision thing is about? I could not find much. <laughs> I was looking like on Vice UK and different places, and it was mostly people just covered the theft, right? And then finding the actual answer, it just says medical response on it. So I couldn't find a company. I couldn't... So admittedly, mm, you gotta, I have no answers to this We need mystery. to go to London, call 999, mm -hmm. and be like, hurry! We need a circumcision. <laughs> Hurry, stat. And then when they show up, we interview them. Okay, I like this. 
don't the Italian police have like a Ferrari that they use yeah. or something like that uh, for Lamborghini, Oregon? I believe. I yeah. believe. And then the in Dubai, they have almost an entire fleet of sports cars for the police because they had so many uh, wealthy jerks who go out there and drive super fast in the desert that they needed their own supercars to catch them. So they have like McLarens and Ferraris and Lamborghinis and like just a ton of like super supercars and. The whole, yeah, it's really kind of But I think the odd. Italian one is to take uh, organ donations. Oh, yeah, that's actual, that's like the medical one, the ambulance yeah, you're talking yeah. about. I was going with the police. Yeah, well, they're all the, the, the uh, I don't know, authorities, <laughs> whatever they are. So, yes, ridiculous emergency circumcision. Yes, so there you go. Totally ridiculous. Um, I'll tell you what else is ridiculous. Oh, please. A bank heist that is a premonition, a preview of a later ridiculous bank heist. Wait, a premonition of a bank heist? Mm -hmm. Like a psychic had a premonition? It shall be foretold. Ooh. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. You damn right. <laughs> Do you remember Zarin? Yes. When I told you about the Hatton Garden heist? Yes, yes. Ways back? Oh, yeah. I love an old crew of bank robbers. Yeah. Old age pensioners, they concocted a heist in 2012, busted into a vault full of gems and untold riches. Mm-hmm. Um, story I want to tell you today is very similar. More criminal silverbacks? Yeah, well, it's a bit of a crossover. It's sort of an origin story. Ooh. Uh, because we have a repeat offender <laughs> we here. Have a, our first ridicu- person to come yeah. back twice? Yeah. Did you yes. know? Did you know they're recording us right now? Who? Dave. What? Yeah, did you know that? No. Yeah. Get out. Yeah, anyway. Why would he do that? Well, we'll find out. So we have a repeat offender Uh here. And uh, do you remember the ringleader of the Hatton Gardens heist? Uh, Ringleader. He had a cool name. He he had a car dealership in like a shabby chic rambling home. Governor. Yes. Yes. The governor. Governor. None other than Brian Reeder. I couldn't think of that part of his name. (laughs) I got the nickname. So So Brian Reeder, a.k.a. the governor, Governor. was one of the masterminds behind the crazy bank robbery that I'm going to tell you about today. Excellent. And I need you to also note that the governor denied Mm -hmm. any involvement at all in this one. (laughs) Good move. Smart governor. So... When we first met him, we were talking about 2012 mm-hmm. with the Hatton Gardens heist. This is different. This is 1970 that he cooks this up. Oh, this is like his like origin, origin story. story. I got you. Here nice. You go. Boom. Um, so he has this little gang going mm-hmm. around stealings, doing those little stealings. <laughs> okay. One of the guys in his gang is named Anthony Gavin. Okay. Does or he have Tony a Gavin. Tony. Okay. You know, for his familiars. He was a photographer in his late 30s at the time. All right. He read a Sherlock Holmes short story written by Arthur Conan Doyle. Of course, another crossover here. Another throwback. Look, it's just all woven together. Uh, it's called The Red-Headed League. Oh, yes. I know right. this one. This was very inspirational to all detectives. Mm-hmm. Well, it inspired old Tony Gavin. In the story, the thieves tunnel into a vault. But mm-hmm. in the story, they tunnel right into the arms of these detectives. <laughs> yes. So he's like, oh, I can, I can figure out a better way to do this. Now... Another thing I'd like you to note, 
The Holmes headquarters were on Baker Street. Yeah, 221B, right? Correct. All right. Exactly. So Gavin has an idea. He figures out that he can pull off a tunnel heist way better than the crooks in the Holmes tale. Okay. You know, everyone always thinks they're smarter than everybody else. <laughs> he took this idea to the governor. Uh-huh. And the governor, he had re governor. Can we had, call him Young Governor? Young Governor. Right. <laughs> that's my new rap name. <laughs> Uh, had recently suffered a head injury <laughs> when he slipped and fell. While that, so I don't mean to laugh at recently suffered a head at, injury. That's just a funny way the, of putting well, it. Well, here's why we're laughing. Mm-hmm. Because head injuries are no laughing matter. Oh, yeah. They can make a man strange for the rest of his days. But the governor, there were a lot of injuries involved in Hatton Gardens. Yes. And so that's, that's why, why it's That's why I'm funny. laughing is because, yeah, the bad <laughs> luck was... Yeah, predetermined. So he slips and falls while he's escaping from a building. He's like scoping out a building for mm-hmm. a robbery. Someone catches sight of him and he's like, runs mm-hmm. and then boink, hits his head. <laughs> okay. And has a, that's that's the sounds. Yeah. I just played on the recording. Um, so he couldn't, he couldn't ever get anything right. Mm-hmm. He's still though, with all his bumbling, he's stone cold. Oh yeah, he's right? a hard man. I mean, he definitely is. He's not is. seen as a clown no, by no, any of these No, he's a people. real veteran criminal. Exactly. Even as a young man, a right. veteran criminal. So Gavin and the Gov, they go and they get this guy, Reginald Tucker. Okay. And he's Reggie. A, Reggie, he's a used car dealer. Um, and then also he would say that his... <laughs> used car dealer. <laughs> he would say that sometimes that his job was a company director. Oh, good That's one. That's vague. Yeah. Uh, then there's this other guy, Thomas Stevens. Mm-hmm. He's another used car dealer. <laughs> just a whole clan I'm of just Don't you. forget, the governor went and had a used car lot. That's why I'm house. laughing. I'm like, all these guys were like, yeah, what do you do? I, I push used cars. I sell used cars. I'm a used car dealer. Uh huh. <laughs> so Bobby Mills is another dude. Pushing warm cars. Not hot cars. They're warm. warm. <laughs> Gently used. Uh, Bobby Mills is another friend of the governor's. Okay. So they bring him into this. Then there's Mickey Skinny Gervaisi. They sound like a boy band. Tommy, Mickey, Reggie. Skinny. Skinny. Oh, skinny. Bobby. <laughs> uh, skinny is a burglar alarm expert. Okay, you need one of those? Always. Um, and then there are these two unidentified people, to this day unidentified, one of whom was an explosives expert. Ooh. This is totally Ocean's Eleven, by yeah. the way. It's also the professionals of Burt Lancaster. It's everything. Yeah, it's all the great, like, gang group uh, movies. Like, okay, we need this professional. We need this expert. It's also, you know, it's La La Land. Which one's that? I don't know. I've never seen it. Oh, that's the dancing Oscar movie? I guess, yeah. The accidental, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, so these two other mystery guys, one is named Little Legs, (laughs) and the other one is named T.H., that's all we know of we them. Know, okay. Now the TH, they uh, it was rumored was connected with a really corrupt Scotland Yard detective inspector. But wait, it's all rumor and supposition. Wait, the guy was rumored to be like tight the with bad a... guys, tight with a sort of good guy. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm with it. So this ragtag bunch, they get together. They decide that they're going to target the Baker Street branch of Lloyd's Bank on the corner of Baker Street and Marleybourne Road. I'm going to pretend like I know what that means. Me too. At 185 Baker Street. So, December 7th, 1970, Reginald Tucker, car dealer slash company director, he goes <laughs> into the bank and he opens a bank account with 500 pounds. Okay. It's a good, you know, quantity of money. Then uh, he uses the name G. Edwards, not his real name, and a fake home address hmm. to open this account. The bank doesn't check the references that he supplied. They didn't notice that the address that he gave was actually a news agent's, you know, like a newspaper oh, okay, store. Okay. 
whatever. They're like, yeah, I have an account. Great. Two months later, Tucker goes and he gets a safe deposit box at the bank. And number 317, if you're taking notes. Okay. Let me add and this to my letters. Go on. The cost is two pounds, 50 pence a month. Okay. So like the rent for the safe deposit yeah, box? Yeah. To, to let it. To let, exactly. Uh, he didn't keep much in it, but it gave him access to the vault. Yes, exactly. So, I'm, I'm with you. You know how he's, how they do. So he'd sign in under his fake name, uh-huh. and then they'd escort him to the vault, two staff members. Right this way, Mr. Edwards. They'd use the two key thing, and then they're like, you know what? We're going to leave you in this vault for your privacy mm-hmm. to look at your My Little Pony collection. <laughs> Here are some white gloves. Here's all your precious memories. Um, and so Tucker would go in there, and his job was like memorizing the inside of the vault, drawing up a plan, Coming so up like, with come the with dimensions. Come with the of it for, yeah. basically? Yeah. Or the schematic, rather? Yeah. So he'd go into the vault, just like he's a businessman. He'd wear a bowler hat and a pinstripe suit. You gotta love a costume, right? <laughs> he's looking like the guy from the Magritte painting. He's coming in with a bowler. And like... <laughs> he's all sissina pazumpi. He would also carry an umbrella, and he used that to measure the inside of the vault. Okay, so I'm just picturing John Cleese doing all of this, and it's really oh my, working with for the me. silly walks. Yeah. But it also would probably look like a him. dance routine where he's, like, <laughs> setting the umbrella up, taking yeah. some steps, setting Spinning it down. They're like, this poor guy. He has nowhere to rehearse, so he comes in here. It also turns out that the floor tiles were a standard nine inches each. Oh, that's helpful. And that was super helpful. So, makes measuring a snap. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he goes to the vault 13 different times. Mm-hmm. And five times in the month before the heist. So he's just like constantly checking out his safe deposit box two times in the week before the heist. Okay. Now, is this like alerting anything for the bank? Or they, is this they don't a, care. They don't what care. Do they this care? is normal. This They're is like, like this, this guy, he's a businessman. He wants he's to a, come in and just feel his My Little Pony Ponies. <laughs> he, you know, tips his hat to him and goes in there and looks through his... Dusts bo- his jewels or whatever he does. Yeah, he has like... Old rinsed out yogurt containers. <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> but you know, I picture everything. So now it's just right there. There in you the go. Line. You're welcome. Mm. And he just like, he looks at it and he remembers the good times. That was when a good he, Tuesday. Such a good Yo Play blueberry day. Uh, so that's what he's got in his safe deposit box, <laughs> okay. if you ask me. The vault uh, at Lloyd's Bank, mm-hmm. Baker Street, was built of reinforced concrete. It had two doors, and it was behind a locked sliding grill. Okay. So, you know, it's pretty secure. The main door had an alarm and a lock that was set to a timer, so no one, not even the employees, could open it outside of normal business hours. Okay. So you better not get stuck in there. He uh, checks this all out. They find out, too, that the bottom was 18 inches. There's also another source that I found that said it was three feet of double reinforced concrete. The floor. The floor. Yeah. yeah. Or the bottom, as I call it. <laughs> I was wondering. <laughs> you know. I'm like, you know what? Excuse me. I need to go vacuum the bottom. <laughs> From the walls to the bottom. You've been sweeping this the bottom. houses are rocking. <laughs> so impenetrable, they say, okay. right? And the bottom was not connected to an alarm system. <laughs> the floor. It was as, an unprotected bottom. Oh, as fancy people call it, the floor. No alarm system on the floor. Two doors down from the bank on Baker Street, there's a struggling leather goods store. Okay, Why are I hope you this comes into me? the story. I just love struggling leather goods store. <laughs> you know, they're just <laughs> trying, trying to make to their way in the world. Push attache cases, like, come on, two for fives, two for fives. <laughs> like the hobo bag just is not what it used to be on the market. The store is called La Sac. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why. <laughs> Sac. Well, Come I'm thinking now. about that it's brand. It's French. No, it's not, brother. The sport sac, yeah. you know, that's all like the parachute material. Isn't it? It was big in the 80s, but... Isn't it Le Coq Sportif? Well, that's a different one. Oh, okay. But, Which one do you say? 
uh, Le Sports Sack. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Um, it was a big 80s thing, and I just am going to give a little bit of a reveal, mm-hmm. open up my world. Yes. That's the kind of wallet I carry. <laughs> <laughs> you're always so international. And I'm so up to date. Anyway, Le Sack, mm-hmm. going out of business. I am Surprise. so shocked. <laughs> the basement of the shop was at the same level as the bank vault. This is going to be handy. Yeah. And they were only, they weren't next door though. Uh-huh. There was two doors down. They're separated by a fast food restaurant called Chicken Inn. <laughs> Chicken Inn and don't want to know what comes out. Like I-N-N. It's chicken, like a... Like where chickens like go to lodging. spend the night. <laughs> where like salesmen you're, chicken you're come you're down the chicken road. chicken in town and you're in mm-hmm. London and you're like, where are going to good poultry like me find a home they're like come on in and they just yeah. march them right into a fryer <laughs> it's a old bait and switch chicken today, in delicious this, this spot today is a taco bell oh well you know T-Bell keep takeover. that tradition going yeah so the gang they recruit a recently bankrupt businessman named benny wolf okay you're gonna like, be, like you're gonna think i'm making this up or you'd be like that Never. can't be Burnett. but i swear to you this is pretty much the plot of a movie with Edward g robinson from the 30s and he has a leather goods store that they use it's next door to a Probably bank ripped it to off. break in they go through the basement of the leather goods store Probably like, ripped it off. are you kidding me like you're telling me the i'm like maybe, i've seen this maybe they wanted to sound smart by being like oh we got it from a short story we were just sitting around <laughs> reading a short what is this film you talk about no i never I go to the read. cinema yeah no i think well who knows yeah. so he benny wolf convinces a former assistant of his named molly adams mm-hmm. to put her name on the deed of lesac he couldn't do it because he'd recently declared bankruptcy. So we have our legitimate businessman who is illegitimate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So August 1971, the purchase goes through. Okay. He gets the shop. August 1971. Gang it. goes in. They close up shop. They hang signs. They're like, we're going to reopen later in September. So, you know, neighborhoods eagerly we're awaiting We're remodeling. This. <laughs> Come back soon. Friday, August 28th, hey. 1971. Hello. <laughs> the heist commences. Nice. So... Stevens, who's the other car dealer, he'd been tasked with getting tools. He had to get a powerful jack. <laughs> and what? Why are you laughing? The way you leveled your eyes at me when you said powerful <laughs> jack. I was just talking. And a thermal lance. <laughs> you did it again. So you did it again. I don't even know. What is a thermal lance? I, actually, I do it's know. So, so It's a blowtorch, basically. I just like how you can change meanings just with your tone of voice. Oh, completely. So that, was, that was the first essay I ever wrote. When you had, like, like when I was like sixth grade and you had to write an essay, I wrote a whole, like, persuasion piece on how that tone can make anything sexual. I was not allowed to in turn... In sixth grade? In sixth grade, yeah. Well, I wrote one in third grade, yeah. so... Well, it was supposed to be about innuendo, you know? It was like... <laughs> Anyway. That, I'm so sorry for your teachers throughout the years. Oh, yeah. I, as am I. Yeah. But powerful Jack and Thermal Lance. Yeah. Is that sounding familiar to you? <laughs> yes, it is. It's like... It's and like dirtier a, every time. <laughs> well, it sounds like stars of a film, Powerful Jack and Thermal Lance. Because <laughs> yes. it's to Jack and Lance. Those are first names. Hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I am 100% Whatever. right there. I'm actually like, you know. Who cares? Who knows? Listen. <laughs> okay, go it's, on. They're similar to the list of tools in the Hatton Garden heist. <laughs> Very similar. Okay. So Bobby Mills, the one who is old friends with the governor, mm-hmm. he chickens out at the last minute. Governor has He's a hard like, time with yeah. him. I mean, he just does not get good guys. He does not have good crew retention. But yeah. they convince him, okay, be the lookout. He should do practice runs. Yeah. Now, I hope, like, remember the lookout from Hatton That's Gardens. what I'm saying. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> All right. So, also, remember I told you the governor had a head injury uh-huh. during his recent escape? Well, 
He's like, I can't dig. Head injury. Oh, the, the, all the bending I, over? I dented my brain pan. Yeah. <laughs> I can't dig. So this is kind of shades of Kenny the diabetic from Hatton Gardens. Oh, yeah. You know, they've all got these ailments. Now, let's take a break. Okay. Now that we've established all this. Mm-hmm. And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about how they set up their little plan. Nice. rant for a sec please pay apps are way too public what happened some rando hearted a payment from five months ago and i realized people can see my entire history who i'm paying like full names it's super weird yeah it's weird how are you paying your friends then apple cash it's all in messages you can literally send cash like a text and it stays between friends random people can't see it did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. That's simplysafe.com slash ridiculous crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey, Zarin. Hey, I'm back. My name's Thermal Lance. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Powerful Jack. Powerful Jack. That's what I think if we ever have to go somewhere and like sign in as something. Like yeah. jury duty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's not Elizabeth Sutton. It's Thermal Lance. They're like, oh, sorry, we got the wrong person. I'll hee 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 and I'll walk away. Um, I am Forte Jacques. <laughs> Uh, what was I talking? Oh, oh, Baker Street. Yes, the robbery. The they bank had everything in place. And the LaSac. Yep. Yeah. We're good. Okay, We're so good. Gavin, mm-hmm. the Holmes fan. Yes, Sherlock Holmes fan. Tucker, uh-huh. the guy who did the whole vault measuring. Yep. Okay. And then one of the unnamed members. We'll call him TH. Yeah. They drilled through LaSac's six inch concrete floor. Okay. And then they hit clay. So next door, chicken in. Mm hmm. Um, not like Bobby Mills, who was chicken out. hey <laughs> Zing. Please tip my waitress. <laughs> so the digger guys, they realized that Chicken In's foundation wall was actually lower than they had realized. Okay. So they had to dig under and around that before they got to the vault. <laughs> so they're like, you know, they're rein- I think Chicken In is more heavily reinforced than Lloyd's Bank. Yeah, well, sounds like it. And they kind of take their stuff more <laughs> well, seriously. Well, when you're taking the chickens to their final reward, you yeah. want it solid. Um, Gavin was apparently in super good shape. Uh, I guess he was also like a part-time physical therapist. They had those in 1971? Sure. sure. Okay. Um, he did most of the work. And he uh, was like, I'm pretty confident he wore tight t-shirts. <laughs> no t-shirt at all. Or no t-shirt it's at all. It's the 70s. He took true. it off. He Topless. was doing labor. He later said that he lost almost two stones, 28 pounds, I was just during about the process. I mean, is it 12 or 14 pounds? I can never remember. 14. Water weight? Did he lose a limb? But no, it's it's a water, mostly water weight, yeah. I imagine. So remember, they get started on a Friday. Okay. Uh, they keep digging till Monday morning, and then they're like, "Okay, you know what? Let's let's keep going next weekend. Let's take a break. Mm-hmm. This is our weekend gig. <laughs> um, very big weekend project. It take you know digging a hole takes a long time. Oh yeah. You always see on TV and movies, there's like a criminal digs a grave for someone. It's all clean, mm-hmm. smooth walls, six feet deep. Yeah. That, that's not reality. Uh, no, no. And they do it in like an hour. Yeah. You know, or what's supposed to be an hour. You know that uh, a TV show that's guilty of this? Hmm. Sons of Anarchy. Oh, yeah. The yeah. fastest hole diggers in the world. Oh, yeah. They like toss someone a shovel and then they cut to them they, in an undershirt, like wiping their forehead with their arm as they stand in that perfectly chiseled, chiseled out, out. Yep. <laughs> super deep hole. Um, and then there's always a pile of dirt next to it that in no way is the same volume as the amount of dirt that mm-hmm. they took out. But of it hole. definitely looks like an industrial equipment had lifted it out of the <laughs> hole and piled exactly. it there. And then they like toss one in and they're like, okay, fill it up, you know, and whatever. If they did that in real life, it would be sort of this rounded mm-hmm. Lumpy thing that's like With three feet sticking deep. Into it and stuff. Three yeah. weeks later, yeah. Anyway, they come back. They go to work right. next weekend. They dug a forty-foot, twelve-inch by fourteen-inch tunnel under the vault. Twelve-inch. Wait, that doesn't seem big enough for people. No, okay. but that's what I read. Okay. <laughs> and so the tunnel was called a remarkable piece of engineering during the later trial. It had to be bigger than that. Otherwise, they're like slithering through. Yeah, like I mean, like even if, I, if I turned shoulder and I separated shoulder to shoulder, trying to get my head through. two feet by four feet makes me feel okay. more comfortable. Let's go with that. Okay. Two feet, okay, you know what? It doesn't really matter. They dug a tunnel. Yeah. Um, who knows? Who cares? The crew, they also carved out a space seven feet wide and five feet high directly under the vault. Okay, so like that's, a workspace. That's workable. Yeah. yeah. And that's where they could work. Uh, they set up the the jack, the powerful jack. Um, <laughs> Don't on, forget the thermal lance. On a couple of railway ties. 
that I suppose they brought with Ra- them. Railway ties. That surprised me. Yeah. Okay. That's like, that's so just like the wood pieces, yeah, basically. Yeah, big ass pieces of wood. Uh-huh. The ground, though, was like too wet to support the pressure of the drilling, and the ties kept sinking into the ground. Okay. We have some subsidence issues well, on Baker clay. Street. I mean, clay holds water. Yeah. They also tried using the thermal lens. <laughs> Um, but it, too, could not break through the concrete. Oh. Yeah. So they're like, guess what? All right, we're running out of time. Let's go next weekend and do this. So we'll regroup. Are they going to have to hit up a home improvement big box store? Who knows? I mean, I'm figuring the best way for them at this point is is to reconsider the use of tools, like maybe some explosives. Ha, ha, ha. See, you should have been running this from the beginning. Oh, was I right? Oh, I, was yeah. just, I was just guessing yeah. over here. So check it out. It's taken them three weekends. They're able to dig down. They're below the vault. The tools aren't working. It's too damp with chicken grease. <laughs> so they call in the explosives expert. Nice. Shape charges. That's your answer. I'm going to go ahead and say that that guy was Little Legs. Yeah, let's just like that. And like he, Dorfon explosives. <laughs> <laughs> little Legs. He gets some gelignite. Okay. Gelignite. Hey, Elizabeth, what's gelignite? That's, I, you're supposed to I was say. over here acting like, you know, I'm going to play it cool. Like, oh, yeah, gelignite. That's a, that's the right choice. That's what I go with. It's either thermite or what you said. <laughs> or boom boom powder. Um, well, Wikipedia uh-huh. defines gelignite, also known as blasting gelatin or simply jelly. Okay. Are you ready for this jelly? I don't think I can handle this kind of heat. Uh, they say it's an explosive material consisting of collodion cotton dissolved in either nitroglycerin or nitroglycol uh-huh. and mixed with wood pulp and uh-huh. saltpeter. Uh-huh. It was invented in 1875 by Swedish chemist Alfred Nobel. Oh, on his way to TNT. Yep, also invented the dynamite. In today's society, now that I'm doing all the bad essay things... <laughs> I had an uncle who taught me how to make explosives out of, like, common household ingredients, like styrofoam and stuff. And this one sounds a lot like a recipe he taught me. I'm wondering <laughs> if he, like, free-versed off of that. Probably, Riffin. Uh, so Little Legs, he got himself some gelignite. And he's ready to blow the absolute cottage cheese out of that vault floor. <laughs> <laughs> so the group, they're concerned that the explosion is going to be heard outside. So they rent walkie-talkies so they can coordinate with uh, their outside lookout, Scaredy Cat Mills. Okay. And uh, Friday, September 10th, 1971, 5.30 p.m., Lloyd's Bank closes again for the weekend. The gang comes back for weekend activities. Mills, he's posted up at the top of 94 Baker Street that had a clear view of the bank. So they really aren't that far from 221B Baker no. Street. They're like just down the they're block. Just, they're living it. Okay. Do you know what was located at 94 Baker Street a few years prior to this? Um, I'm going to go with a turkey shack. It was the original Apple store where the <laughs> Beatles had opened their short-lived Apple boutique. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Apple Records, the original. Yeah. That's where the that's first completely, Apple store was? That's completely irrelevant to what I'm talking about, but that's my that's yeah. my jam. Well, thank you for the information. So Today welcome. I learned. <laughs> so the gang drills holes in the concrete under the vault, fills them with gelignite, they connect it back to a generator in Lasac's basement using this series of cables, tubes. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mills, he's keeping an eye on things, and they set off the explosives around 12.30 a.m. Saturday, September 11th, mm-hmm. coinciding with a green light and moving traffic to help block the noise. So Mills is like waiting till the light changes. Oh. A truck comes. He's like, go, go, go. <laughs> truck yeah. rumbles past. We're like, hit it. Yeah. They get lucky. The whole that they ended up making in the bottom of the vault 
Um, it had a bank trolley directly over it, and that helped muffle the sound. Huh. So all these things sure working luck. together. Yeah. They get in the vault, they go to work. The governor, he's an expert at opening safe deposit boxes. They worked all day. Well, I, okay, maybe I'm wrong here, but I didn't think there was such a thing as an expert in getting into safe deposit. I thought you just pry your way in. You know what? You, just, you didn't think there was such a thing as emergency circumcision, or no, at least I did. There's didn't. so many things so I'm just unaware we're of. We're learning, constantly yeah. learning. Stay curious. One. Remember mm-hmm. that he didn't get to use that expertise, though. Oh. Uh, decades later for Hatton Gardens. No, he did Remember, not. he just noped out of there. Yeah, it's like, exactly. you're on I'm like, your wait own. a minute. This. Yeah. So this time he did the hard work, he put in the effort. Way to hustle. Good game. Good game. Zarin, <laughs> I want you to close your eyes. Oh, is it, okay. My, Just for no reason. My eyes are closed. I want you to picture it. All right. It's 11 o'clock on mm-hmm. a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. A man named Robert Rollins is padding around his fourth floor apartment on Wimpole Street. Mm. Now, he's going to settle in for his typical late night routine of turning on his American Forces radio receiver. <laughs> Putting some Vaseline on his feet and he's, pulling on his socks. Yes, he's cutting loose on a Saturday night there, buddy. Uh, he's really hoping to tune into Radio Luxembourg. Makes him feel fancy. Mm. Instead, he hears a man's voice in English coming through clearly. The man is talking about a vault and loot and whatnot. That is not Radio Luxembourg. No. Your pal Robert comes to the conclusion that he's listening to a robbery taking place nearby. That is so exciting for him. <laughs> I love this for his Saturday night. <laughs> so he calls the local precinct. They don't take him seriously. And they're like, you know what? Okay, yeah, sure. You're hearing a ro- Record it and get back to us. And then right. they like snicker and hang up the phone. It makes me wonder if maybe he'd called them previously with other outlandish things. Or if he started off with, okay, normally on a Saturday, I like to listen to Radio Luxembourg. <laughs> but this Saturday, they're like, oh, man, you know what? Yeah. We get no. a lot of these. <laughs> so here's the thing, though. Conveniently, Rollins has a cassette recorder at his house. Of course he does. Because he uses it to practice his Spanish. What? He just talks to himself. <laughs> That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Did he like listens to himself, gets better at how he says in uh-huh. Spanish according to his own ear, yeah. but he doesn't speak Spanish or he yeah. just want to hear it to correct? Well, I don't know. Like when I was in high school in French class, we used to have to read like questions and then answer them on a cassette. And then this is, I, you're seeing how old I am. <laughs> and then leave them with the teacher and she was supposed to like listen to them to see if oh, not only were we writing it, yeah. but yeah. And I just didn't study and this is in senior year. Uh-huh. And so every question that came up, I go, ooh, je ne sais pas. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't fly. Um, How did that one work? (laughs) Didn't. It didn't. Um, So he's like, this one-man party machine, he's Mm -hmm. got a cassette recorder. He records the thieves arguing, mostly with Mills outside, Mm -hmm. um, about whether to stop for the night or keep going. So he must be hearing just the most random stuff. We got a light. Okay, no light. Mm -hmm. I'm in. Yeah. He has the recording. He calls the cops again. But this time he calls the main line at Scotland Yard. He doesn't trust the precincts. Mm -hmm. And um, they take him seriously. They send officers over. Now, it's interesting. Later, the police threatened to prosecute Mr. Rollins for listening to an unlicensed radio station. Is that a thing? Oh, because the pirate radio station. Right. Crossover. Okay. Lloyd's Bank, though, gave him a 2,500 pound reward. Okay. Good job, dude. So in the morning, uh, September 12th, Sunday, the thieves start talking again. They're telling Mills, uh, we're going to finish off here in the bank and uh, we shall be coming out early this afternoon and you'll just have to bluff. Bluff your way straight off the road. <laughs> yeah. 
There's this book called One Last Job, written by two um, guys from the Daily Mirror, Tom Pettifor and Nick Summerland. They said, quote, Police needed technical help and fast. They asked the BBC and the post office for assistance in tracking down the broadcasts in hope of catching the burglars in the act. We did receive considerable assistance, but the equipment they had was the type which was not much help. We were told by one of the radio detection experts that we would search an area within a seven-mile radius of Mr. Rowland's flat, and this involved a huge number of banks and similar premises. That advice left police with an area of 154 square miles of central London to search. It contained hundreds of banks, and officers began to, the process of contacting the head offices of all of them. Wow. That's, that's huge. Some due diligence. Right? They contacted 900 banks. Oh, my. Yeah. That's that's a lot of manpower. I can't Im- Person well, power. Yeah, that's that's impressive. So 3.30 or 4 that Sunday, the police show up at Lloyd's, mm-hmm. but everything looks fine on the outside, much like Hatton Gardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, the vault's time lock meant that, like, no one could get in there anyway. Yeah. So, fine, the police leave. Uh, the gang finishes up their work. They pack their loot, their booty, into a nearby van, and they drive to Tucker's house to divvy things up. In all... They are said to have stolen an estimated 1.5 million pounds. Closer, they think, to 3 million. That's a pretty big booty. Cash, jewelry, gold, (laughs) other valuables. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it was right there. It was perfect. I set it up. You knocked it out of the park. Um, All these other valuables again, quote, Mm -hmm. unquote. (laughs) Other valuables. Music boxes. The other thing, too, is a lot of the people who lost stuff wouldn't say what they lost. That's why they think it was a lot more. Mm-hmm. This is a common this occurrence. Is, this is common with the, in the safe deposit boxes. They're like, wait, what was in it? Ah, you know, mm-hmm. some paperwork, business papers. Family photos. I, music. I can tell you the value. I, we, we would need it itemized. I can't do that. Yeah. Uh, so let's take a moment. Mm-hmm. We're going to listen to some ads. Just, Ooh. you know, sit and enjoy them. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to tell you how it all fell apart for these goofballs. <laughs> Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. 
To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Okay, doke. What's Aaron. up, Smokey? <laughs> Monday, September 13th, 1970. What are we, one, two? 71. Whatever. Nine o'clock in the morning. A Lloyds Bank employee opens the vault doors mm-hmm. to find everything in disarray, as well as a hole in the floor. Uh-oh. Doink. The police also discovered walkie-talkies, mm-hmm. tools. They just left everything. The lads. Loads of excavated dirt. Mm-hmm. Tons of stuff. A so, powerful jack. A powerful jack. They just left everything. Well, this is before DNA evidence, so they're like, "Yeah, whatever, dust it." I don't give a. But I mean, you could you could resell some of that stuff. I don't think they're worried about profit at that point. So they're worried about money. Well, yeah, I know. I'm I'm with you. Logistically Waste speaking, not, it's irresponsible. <laughs> they could have given that to a, other criminals. They could have donated. Who might need me to the criminal tool bank? Um, <laughs> Pay so it forward. Based on the crime, the police presume that the thief had to have inside knowledge of the vault. And the bank, though, is like, you know what? We are not giving out the box holders' names or any other information. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the bank oh, was thanks. also unhelpful in dealing with property that had been strewn around on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. They just piled it up on tables outside the vault, and they took possession of it all without police involvement. 
What do you mean? So they just said, like, this is now a bank property because it's on our floor? Yeah, they just, like, scooped it up and put it in the pyro. Like, nobody look. Yeah, that's not evidence. Yeah. That was left Don't behind. Check, Clearly not evidence. Don't check. <laughs> um, and so one box holder, he said he went to go check and see if his valuables were on the mm-hmm. table. His blackmail photos. No one checked his ID. Mm-hmm. And he found that jewelry that was, like, on this pile had fallen into trash cans next to this desk. I love this. Yeah, it's so sloppy. So... Finally, a list of 210 box holders was given to the police, but the police didn't think it was a full list. So they asked again, then they get the names of 260 of 268 box holders. (laughs) So they're just like... (laughs) That lucky seven, you know, they're like the queen and her cousin. Well, around 100 of the box holders, they declined to report their losses, declined to specify the full extent of the loss. Mm -hmm. They won't file anything with the cops. The police used a network of informants to gather information on who robbed the bank, and pretty soon they came up with Gavin and Tucker, main guy and the one with the bank account. How did they? Informants. Informants. Every time. (laughs) So on the morning of Friday, October 9th, 1971, the police watched Tucker hand over a bag to two men. Okay. They swoop in, they arrest the guys, and there's 32,000 pounds in cash in the bag. Ooh. Yeah. Tucker gets arrested later that day. He confessed that the cash from earlier was from the bank, but he said he wasn't part of the robbery. I just happened to find his bag. He just got the cream, yeah. Yeah. So Gavin and Stevens, they're arrested October 30th. Gavin said, look, I only dug the tunnel. I'm just the digger man. And Stevens said that he had only supplied the tools. Look, I only uh, touched the shovels. (laughs) I I went out, I got them, lads, and then there you go. (laughs) So Wolf, that's the bankrupt businessman who Uh rented the 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 sack. Yeah, he was also arrested, totally denied involvement. He's like, I'm just a humble leather salesman now. Yes, I am but a bankrupt businessman. Exactly. The governor, Mills, two mystery men, never caught. Oh, the governor Never arrested. Nice, governor. Yeah, Apparently, though, the name of the explosives expert mm-hmm. involved was given to the police, but he wasn't arrested either. Hmm. Yeah. It's later alleged, though, that two senior officers on the case pocketed a million pounds in diamonds from Baker Street in exchange for letting those guys off the hook. Uh, oh, wow. So I think that they greased the wheels with that. Only around 231,000 pounds of the stolen goods were ever recovered. Of the, like, 3 million Of sold. the, like, 3 million, that's, yes. That's a low percentage. That is, right. Like, And the cops can consider that a success because they got some back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the insurance covers the rest. We would hope. Uh-huh. So the case goes to trial January 1973. Gavin, Tucker, Stevens, they all plead guilty. And they're convicted and sentenced to 12 years in prison each. Damn. But they yeah. hold the bag. They don't, they don't like, like snitch on everybody else Mm-mm. in the crew. Nobody snitches on the governor. Stevens later appealed, and he was able to reduce his sentence to eight years. Okay. Um, Wolf, he pleads not guilty, convicted eight years. In that book, One Last Job, they said that, quote, in the years after Baker Street, a number of myths have grown up around the job. One of the earliest misconceptions surrounded an alleged police cover-up in the aftermath. It's been claimed that a D-notice was issued asking the press not to publish any detail of the raids on grounds of national security. Hmm, national security? Mm -hmm. For for what reason? Well, the radio guy, Richard Rollins, he said the police confiscated his recording. 
Oh, and snap. he said there was also this this gag order on it, um, but he thought it was just an excuse to hide police incompetence. Oh, okay. That's, you know. Fair, fair, fair assessment. Former Scotland Yard detective inspector David Woodland, he wrote in his 2015 book, Crime and Corruption at the Yard. He said that MI5 had placed the, the government gag order, the D notice, mm-hmm. on all press, effectively banning any further reporting due to national security. So this keeps popping up. This national security, what were in these safety deposit boxes? And also that they these guys just go to prison, so whatever they found, they couldn't have been too aware of it because right. they otherwise they would have disappeared well, too, right? The Guardian uh, and the Mirror, they mm-hmm. both said that they were approached directly by senior government officials and told to drop the story. Huh. The press, other, you know, agencies were asked to keep things confidential. Um, namely, they didn't want anyone to know that Rollins had made that recording. But they, they told they the wrote recording. about it anyway. What did they care? <laughs> yeah, they're the we're the Daily Mail. Yeah. Do you think we so care? So whatever happens, four days after the robbery, reporting mysteriously stops. Interesting. Just cuts it off. Okay. Many people later speculated that the reason for that D notice was because compromising photos of Princess Margaret had been found. Is oh, this ringing a bell for yes, you? Yes, we that driver, the right. Uber driver in L.A. Right. So there was also, according to that book, One Last Job, the rumor was that Black Power and civil rights activist Michael X yes. had compromising photos of the Queen's sister, Princess Margaret, uh-huh. on holiday with her lover, Roddy Llewellyn, and that he stored them in the Baker Street vault and... The, he said that MI5 organized the break-in to spare the the royal family's blushes. So it's not even like so they were it, they were the whole break-in was just mm-hmm. to get the pictures of Princess Margaret mm-hmm. back. Now, what you're also thinking of another alternate theory is that there were photos of Princess Margaret with infamous London gangster turned actor John Benden. Yes, that's the story we heard. So yeah, Zarin, you and I were once in a lift in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Our driver was an Englishman. He had wild stories about it. Oh my God, yeah. He's talking talking about the uh, two guns Benton because of his enormous... Uh, and then he... <laughs> and yeah, and Princess Margaret was like so into it and they were like in Jamaica and they were doing all the nudist stuff and they were on Michael X, the black power activist, and he has all this stuff where... He was basically not in war, but trying to like blackmail the UK government. And then he gets involved in a whole other thing and then uh, comes to his own terrible end. But yes, that story was insane. He had crazy insider. He talked about the whole break in and the tapes that were in apparently Mm -hmm. the boxes. He talked and he said, that's crazy. Because he knew them. Yeah, no, he knew the dude. He knew, yeah. Yeah, he knew Binton. uh, Binton. Yeah, he was a, the driver was a photographer, like a fashion photographer. Fashion dude back in the day. And he used to drink with Binton in the pubs. And Binton would just come in and be like, just the most charming, carousing figure. And you can see why Princess Margaret would go for him. And then there was the the really dark stuff he started getting into. We were like, oh, oh, I don't, okay. Yeah, it got a little uncomfortable, some of his stories. Yeah. <laughs> Turned into one of those Uber driver <laughs> moments where you're like, I can't believe I'm paying for this. <laughs> uh, so... That is the Baker Street robbery That's that nuts. takes us to the end of I that. I can't believe it. Oh, my. It took me forever to hear it. <laughs> I was waiting and waiting. What's your ridiculous takeaway? It took me so long to catch <laughs> up. I'm over here standing in the shadow. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Why is it dark? <laughs> I, 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 oh, my God. I've heard almost that entire story. And then the Princess Margaret, it all clicked. I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute. The break-in to cover up. And he said it was MI. Yes, of There course. it is. There it is. I love this one. My takeaway, since you asked, yes. is <laughs> is the unsinkable spirit of the governor. Oh, yeah. Right? I'm loving the governor. He gets busted for his first crime when he's 11 years old, if you'll recall. <laughs> yes. That was his first bust. Criming was in his bones. He'd never give it up. 
And like he wasn't the best at it, but gosh darn it, he's going to give it his all. But he's still tough. He learned to walk on a getaway. That's right. He did. And then he fell and hurt his head. (laughs) That is it for today. That's all I have. That was a good one. Thank you. Uh, You can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. If you have a tip for us about a ridiculous crime, or if you want to confess to a ridiculous crime, you can email us, ridiculouscrime at gmail.com. Tune in next time. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett, produced and edited by demolitions expert Dave Kustin. Research is by former LaSac floor manager Marissa Brown. The theme song is by mysterious company directors Thomas Lee and Travis Dutton. Executive producers are Ben, you're Sherlock and I'm Watson, Bolin, and Noel, no, you're Sherlock and I'm Watson, Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. It was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's of kid treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.